All right, so this week it, we're talking about creators again, and we one of the more interesting indie hackers I've ever come across is Vincent Wu. He was first featured on the Indie Hackers podcast in 2017, and it, it's something that I still have with me five years after the fact. It's He's such an outspoken and honest speaker that um, I just have to let him speak for himself on starting his own business. And I think Coderpad is one of those very rare successes that a single person could st start and scale something within a matter of like very short time, I think like two to three years, to a multi-million dollar business just running by himself. Um, and then he sold it afterwards. But this interview is from 2017 where he starts talking with uh, Cortland about his take on optimistic nihilism, which I think is a breath of fresh air in terms of creator advice. But what about in the early days? Because I know for a lot of founders, those like first few months where you're not sure that this is something that's going to work out or be worthwhile can be pretty nerve-wracking. Uh, and I know you started off just with the CoderPad as a side project, but you eventually decided to make it full-time. So were there any bumps in the road or challenges or insights that you had growing from $0 to, what was it, I think, $4,000 a month? Yeah, I quit it when I hit 4000 MRR. Um, what was that decision like? I picked the decision, okay, this is going to sound really stupid. And I had to explain this in the YC interview as well. They were like, why 4000 Like, you haven't quit yet? And I was like, I'm quitting at exactly 4000 MRR. And they're like, why? And I was like, okay, here's the reason. It's stupid. It's because when I hit $40 MRR, I posted on Facebook as a joke. It's like, haha, my business makes... 40 bucks a month, guys, isn't that funny? And then when I hit 400, I was like, ha ha, guess what? I made 10 times what I made the last time I posted. That's crazy <laughs> growth. And then I thought, oh shit, like if I do this again at 4,000, that's actually kind of real stakes money. So I might as well just quit then. Also, 4,000 kind of pays for rent and stuff. So like, that's yeah. why. Like, there's no, re there's no reason to it. I just did it because I felt like it. Could have yeah. quit at any number. I mean, if I quit in the beginning, it would have been fine too. Like, it didn't really matter. In San Francisco, $4,000 pays for like literally just rent. <laughs> I had a roommate. We were splitting like a one bedroom kind of, you know. That helps. I had the converted living room kind of situation, you know. Yeah. Like one of those, but uh, one of those shitty old Victorians in a basement. Was it a hard transition going from, you know, your developer salary to just $4,000 a month? And No. Would you say that like you were motivated to, what was pushing you the most? Just to increase your revenue or? To... I don't, I don't. These motivational questions are hard for me. I don't think I'm like most people. <laughs> Why was I doing what I did? The truth is, I don't know. I don't actually believe that most people know why they do what they do. I was doing a thing because it seemed like the right thing to do. But okay, I'm going to take a moment to explain. Like, I'm what you might call like an optimistic nihilist. Like, I don't think anything's really real up to and including money. It doesn't seem like money is like a is like a dead person's face painted on a green piece of paper. Like it. That it signifies material wealth to me is like almost amazing. Like that that system actually works to me is like terrifying and awesome at the same time. So like, yeah, I thought it'd be fun to make more money. But like I knew abstractly that if I failed at CoderPad, literally the worst possible thing that could happen to me is I would just get a job, right? Which I had proven that I'd been able to do at least a couple times before that. So like I wasn't worried about it. Like there was no anxiety for me. Like because to me, this is all big game. Yeah. It's like it's almost like a role playing game where you're you're essentially leveling up and acquiring skills and, and okay. to what end, I don't know. <laughs> I think even more like an open world exploration game like GTA oh, yeah. or whatever, you know. Like just see how much you can get away with before everyone figures out that you have no <laughs> idea what the, what you're doing and you're just making everything up as you go along. So one of the reasons I asked you about your motivation was because one of the earlier things that I saw you in was actually a video where you gave a talk 
at Dropbox. I saw that you did do opposition research on your interviewees before you bring them <laughs> in. Yeah. yeah, I thought it was a cool video. I mean, I actually watched this video last year before I even started Indie Hackers, and I was trying to find out who I should have on Indie Hackers. And I don't remember the exact title of your talk. It was something about how to start a, a side business without quitting your day job. Yeah, I was, was trying it. to provoke the Dropbox audience. Well, that's what I wanted to ask. Like, why? Why give a talk like that? Was it to? It was to, go to provoke the audience. <laughs> Did you want to tell them that? You know, that essentially that they were doing their lives wrong. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> how do they take that? They it liked pretty it. Pretty supportive. They, I mean, they were happy. I mean, it was it was it was tongue in cheek. Like uh-huh. obviously, it was in this building, probably on this floor, <laughs> just a different room. It's striped now. Yeah. So. Uh, we could do the same thing if you want. I could. Okay. That'll be fun. To <laughs> just come, come and back share. and do I the mean... same talk over again, in the same room. Uh, why did I do that? I mean, I mean, the impression that I got watching it was that you actually—it seemed like it was a core principle of yours that people should do this, or that it's better for the world if more people do that. There was more of the premise for the talk than necessarily like a, a core belief of my personality. I mean, I was invited to do a talk, and they even paid me. It was crazy. Yeah, and. Uh, they like, I would, this was like the best topic I could come up with. So I like tried to make it compelling and like try to make, but I also gave reasons to like not start a business. I mm-hmm. actually think there are tons of reasons to not do it. Like many people I think are unsuited for it. And also it's not terribly pleasant in a lot of ways. So I don't know necessarily that like I actually recommend everybody who's listening to start a business. I know that's sort of the premise of indie hackers and also it's acquisition by Stripe is sort of, how do you put it? Like grow the GDP of the internet. Exactly. Right. So like readers at home, you know, if you can start a business, they would probably, you know, do that or whatever, but also maybe like, don't, I don't know. <laughs> it's not easy. Like it's, uh, it's a lot of work and there are a lot of things that are valuable in life that have nothing to do with money. And that is what I would, that's how I'd put that. I think one of the cooler things that you touched on, and that's, I've also found to be true is that a lot of people who actually would love to start a business don't just because they've never even considered it as an option. Yeah. Especially being like, you know, the smaller indie hacker type business where you're just making money and you're not trying to be a unicorn, especially if you're a developer, like that doesn't get advertised as much. Yeah. Do you think that's changing nowadays? I think it it must be changing. Like if there exist people like you whose sole job is to promote this lifestyle, I think I would take that as some indication that yeah, things are changing a bit. But on the other hand, I touched on this in the talk, like I think this is kind of cyclical. Like it used to be a cultural norm that everybody kind of wheeled and dealed. At least that's my impression. Mm-hmm. If you go in other countries, that's way more true too. So like that we are we, that we probably hit like peak corporatism and are trying to like dial that back a little bit, I think is is natural. Like it was probably inevitable in some respect that like people would get upset with like we've had cultural satire and lampooning of corporate life for like decades now. I remember like my entire <laughs> life I would watch stuff like Office Space or like cartoons or yeah, just they no one paints a favorable light of corporate life anymore. There is no work that makes the work of an office seem noble. And in some ways that's tragic because like I don't think that's necessarily true, but on the other hand like it reflects reality. I think the majority mm. of like office work in the world now is in some way deserving of satire yeah and nowadays if you don't like the corporate culture you can just do your own thing it's never been easier i mean you can build something especially if you're an engineer that reaches across cultural lines that reaches people who aren't in your immediate vicinity uh, and you can build something scalable like you've done with coderpad and i think people seeing that really inspires them thank you that's a very nice compliment and for the listeners at home Cortland is a uh, is a really nice guy everyone seems to like him that i've talked to uh, <laughs> i don't know how he got so popular it's uh, it's kind of amazing 
Yeah. Why don't, why don't we talk about you? Can we talk about you for a little bit? Yeah, you can ask me anything you want. I can ask you anything I, I want. You can ask me anything you want. Doesn't but mean you I'm can, necessarily You're going to cut it out of the... Okay, so yeah. Uh, how much did Stripe buy you for? I can't tell you. Okay. Okay, so I'm cutting it off here because Vincent then turns the table and starts interviewing Cortland, which rarely happens. You, you, an interviewee starting to become the interviewer. Um, and it's kind of off topic, so I'm cutting it out. But we're going to come back in in a bit. One of the more appealing things to me about Vincent is he's refreshingly honest about the role of luck and skill and sales in starting a startup. So in this next segment, he goes into a little bit about how much customer feedback he takes, which is not a lot. <laughs> how much has CoderPad changed since you first built it? I, I know one of the early emails I also have from 2013 is you sending out an email to everybody at CoderPad saying, we just hit 1,000 users. Here's what I'm working on. And then at the bottom, you have like a whole paragraph basically asking people to tell you, you know, what should I build? Uh, yeah. How, you know, what, come, what came out of those efforts and how much has CoderPad changed? There's a lot of stuff to... Pro okay, so like in the literal sense, like how much CoderPad has changed? Uh, I mean, we've like redesigned the site a couple of times, I would say, but like not in ways that are shocking, more like streamlining and refocusing attention of the user on like what we think the important parts of the interview experience are. But like fundamentally, the, the, the philosophical value prop is exactly the same as it's always been. It's been refined a little bit, but CoderPad as an idea has not changed at all, almost, right? Like the original form of the idea is more or less the one that exists today because it was the correct idea, I think. Like I got lucky with that. I mean, I, I could imagine another world where it's not true very easily. I, I, I don't think I'm a genius or anything. I just lucked into the right problem at the right time and had the right set of skills to execute on it. And like I wasn't the only one with this idea trying to execute it on the same time, right? Like there are other people with similar backgrounds who tried to do CoderPad that I never mm -hmm. even knew about, that I found out were dead later, you know, or it's still kind of limping along. Like, I just happened to be the one that won. Like, the reason I'm sitting here talking to you is because, by definition, I am lucky. <laughs> and the people who are not... So this is the problem with advice in general, right? Like, I think all indie hackers interviews should come with a disclaimer, just because I think it'd be funny. But like, by definition, when you ask successful people for advice, what they do is they like enshrine... It's a hagiography. They just like blow up these little details of their life and, and give them such explanatory power. Like I could sit here and tell you why like optimistic nihilism is the correct philosophy to have for someone who wants to start a business. But I don't really believe that. Like I have no idea, right? Like by definition, the people you talk to are the lucky ones. What they should really say is the way to be successful is to be lucky. Like that accounts for like- <laughs> Just make sure you get lucky. Yeah, that's like 90% of the variance right there. The other 10%, like you have some control over, like, but not a lot. So I would say- the real advice is to like not worry about it so hard. Like the odds are you will fail. That's like okay, you know. Like mm. you have to be okay with that before you can do it. Like if you're, if you absolutely cannot let yourself fail, then you shouldn't be doing one of these. I don't think. What do you think uh, in your path from like starting the company to two million in annual revenue? What do you think is the the most lucky thing that happened to you and that that accounted for your success? We were lucky to win the confidence of certain large customers. It's not clear exactly why that happened. I just happened to know someone at the right place or got an intro or something like that. It's maybe surprising me, but I actually don't have many friends in tech. Mm -hmm. So it was actually, I didn't, I didn't really have an easy time getting intros to tech companies. So like of the few that I did, like they tended to pan out pretty okay. Uh, and I, that went well for me. Uh, I remember one time like uh, Bob Lee, like he was like a VP at Square or something like that, like gave a talk at like, 
the VC that put up most of the money for Square when they like recruit all the founders to come have a conference or whatever. And he like had some panel on hiring and he just like told the whole crowd, he's like, hey, you should buy Coderpad. It's this weird product made by some guy named Vincent Wu. And uh, like, I remember he, I, the only reason I heard about it because my boss at Everlane at the time like texted me that like, hey, I heard you're doing pretty good, buddy. <laughs> like I was still employed there. <laughs> I was like, I had no idea this even happened, you know? Like, uh, so that was that was lucky. Like some of that stuff kind of serendipitously happened in the background and it was useful for getting going. But honestly, I'd probably think, I'd think it would work even without that stuff, honestly. Yeah. It's just been slower. What about the opposite? What do you think is the, the most beneficial part uh, or the most advantageous thing that happened that was just like sheer effort or skill or that was very deliberate? I am a very good programmer, so that's a huge advantage. I don't know, like if you're making <laughs> a product that is mostly code, being a really good programmer almost by default is a big advantage. Like another founder doing this job with like you know more more average programming skills, I think mm. would be they would take longer or they would make more mistakes. I think so. I, I'm lucky in that respect too. So it's pretty funny. Vincent is basically saying like. All of Indie Hackers is success porn and needs to come with a giant disclaimer. And you're selling people on a vision that might not actually come th come true because it is so luck-based. Um, but I think it's useful to tell people or remind creators that, yeah, there is a lot of luck in there. And sometimes you just have to get lucky or try it at a number of different things until you succeed because it's not very deterministic what succeeds. Um, and that's an optimistic nihilism take on business. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna